a passage of scripture that for, for most people, it's, it's just something you skip over. You start reading through uh, a bunch of names and decide, uh, I don't have any idea what that has to do with anything. And so you, as I've done before, I've glossed over that. Uh, but we're going to look at the genealogy of Jesus. Now, genealogy is uh, it's your heritage. It's your past, where you came from. And we're going to see that it's important to see where Jesus came from. Now, if you're interested, you can go to places online such as Ancestry.com, and you can spend $45 a month, a month at a time, to try to figure out who your ancestors were and see if you can get across the states into the the other countries. Uh, You can spend $200 a year, because I'm sure it's not something that just happens like this. So there there are lots of things that you can do. Uh, I personally am not terribly excited about figuring out what my history is. I mean, it sounds terrible to say, uh, but it's not something that just drives me. Now, for what work I've, we've tried to do, my mother was adopted, so we haven't got very far there. I mean, we can kind of get to her adopted parents and find that it's in a town near uh, Spokane, but it, we didn't get very far. My dad, I was talking to him yesterday morning, and he was telling me that uh, my great-great-grandpa came over from Scotland when he was two, his dad, obviously the one who brought him over, he, he was a pretty good guy. He founded a town in Mississippi, where at, I don't know, uh, but he was, he was a respectable citizen. Now, my great-great-grandpa, the one that was two, he didn't turn out so well. Uh, he, he, he grew up, he got married, and uh, he beat his wife, he was a drunk, and he finished off life in the outhouse with a shotgun. So, it, but it's just, it's just an amazing thing to look back and see. You know, if my... My wife, on the other hand, she's the one who is really interested in her ancestries, her, uh, her genealogy. And she, she knows that her great-great-grandpa was African-American, but he was, he was so light in color that he was able to, to claim that he, was American, that he was a Native American, which back then was more socially acceptable. So that's what he did. Uh, but, uh, you know, really to me it doesn't matter. If, if, my, if I was to find out that I had a king in my, my heritage— that really doesn't do much for me because I'm not going to become king. I'm not going to get a big inheritance. I'm not going to be knighted. It's just people in my past. And now we're going to be looking at the genealogy and we're going to be looking at a whole bunch of names. And you might be like me thinking, I don't know my genealogy. I know this list of names exists in the Bible. I'm, I'm not really that interested. But I'm going to try to convince you that there's a lot in here. There's, there's a, a lot to be uh, that we can take from this and apply to our own lives just by looking at these names. And it, to me, it was a very exciting, interesting study, and I can't begin to explain all the things that I've learned. I think you could write a book on the genealogy of Jesus and who God used in his family line in order to get down to Jesus. And we're going to look at uh, some of those people. For the Jewish people, unlike me, it was very important to have your genealogy. It, it kept record of the, the land that they were supposed to inherit, uh, kept, it kept track of their, their family genealogy. was just something that was very important to them. It, could, it proved uh, rights, like I said, to the land that they were supposed to get. And for Jesus, it proved that he came from the line of David. For the Jewish people, they, they could trace and see, yes, he, for the ones who believed in God, they could say, yes, Jesus is supposed to be the king because he's from the line of David. And that, you know, there's, there's, we're going to get into a couple different possibilities of, of the, the line of genealogies. I am jumping ahead of myself a little bit. 
Uh, we find the genealogy of Jesus in uh, Luke and also in Matthew. And if you're probably familiar with that, and if you have ever compared the two or ever heard a message of the two, you find out that they are pretty different. And we're, we're going to look at that. It, the, the similarity that you have between the two is from Abraham to David, they had the exact same people. And from David to Jesus, they, they drastic differ. I mean, there's a drastic difference between these two people. In Matthew, it just starts at Abraham. It doesn't even go back to God. Luke goes all the way from Jesus, all the way to God. In Matthew, after the time of David to Jesus, I know this is really hard to understand. It will make sense. After, uh, from David to, to Jesus, there's 28 names listed in the book of Matthew. In Luke, there are 41 names listed. And so you just, you just start looking at the two. You say, wow, how, are you sure this is the same Jesus? Are you sure this is the same uh, genealogy of Jesus? Why would they be so different? Now, I told you, everything from Abraham to David is exactly the same. But that's, that's when things start getting interesting. King David, we're all familiar with him. He had multiple wives and he had multiple sons. King Solomon... He was going to be uh, the king of Judah, or or the king of Israel, so he had a line that he went through. But David also had another son named Nathan, and he's the line of Luke. So you have all these kings that you know in the line of Matthew, but all these unknown named people in the line of Luke. And so what you have is they start out like, I don't know what shape you would call this, but it starts out right here. You got from... Abraham down to David, it's exactly the same. It's all the same people. Nobody's going to argue or dispute that these that anything's confusing. But when you get to David, you have Solomon going like this, and you had Nathan going like this. Now, there's the way you can reconcile those two without without a whole lot of work. There's there's two main ideas as to why what happened. Uh, King David, or I mean, I'm sorry, Matthew traces the line of Solomon. And it's all the way down to the line of Joseph, because Joseph was the earthly father of Jesus. So it's real easy to trace father had son, father had son, all the way down to Joseph. For the other side, they're saying, well, maybe this Luke traces the ancestry of Mary, Jesus's mother. So that, and if that's possible, if it goes like this, and then it comes back in here together with Mary and Joseph, and they have baby Jesus. And that could explain, because like I was I saw Leslie this morning, if you have Darren and you have Nicole... Well, Darren comes from over here, Nicole comes from over here, and somehow life goes like this, and they get put together, and now they have their own family tree, uh, and then it will go back out this when the kids start getting married. But this, it starts like this, and it comes back around together. So that's the easiest option, is just if one is Joseph and one is Mary. The other one is a little bit more confusing, and I'm really sorry, but uh, everything starts like this, you have you have. Uh, Joseph's line and you have Mary's line but the other option is they come together before Mary and Joseph get married uh, there's a guy named, by the name of Matt Han and there's a guy by the name of Matt Hat and if you look at the two you can, you can find their names Matt Han and Matt Hat uh, Matt Hat's wife or Matt Hat died before he had kids and so Matt Han married his wife which was a custom in the Old Testament if you, if you died and you're and you didn't have any sons, then your, your brother was supposed to marry the widow and have sons through him. So that would bring that line immediately back together. But then also, uh, Matt Han's son, Jake, uh, 
had a son whose wife died. And so Jacob, the father of Joseph, uh, married his wife and had a son. So it was thought of Heli, which you find in Luke chapter 3, verse uh, 23. It says, he was the son, so it was thought of Joseph. Now, I realize that is not life-changing. That's prof- it's not profound. You're thinking, I could have lived without it, that information. But it really, it does, it is amazing because when they, when they went with two separate, two men to bring them both together to have the light of Jesus again, there was a lot of people, and we're going to look at those, a lot of people, good and bad, in order to get to that point. I mean, we're going to look at people who, they were murderers, they were adulterers, there was people who were good guys that followed God their whole life. We're going to look at people who were kings, people who were just no-name people. But God worked through all that in order to get to keep his family line together and have his son, Jesus. And if there's another option that we have missed, that the scholars, because there's, there's not any concrete proof or one specific way that you can say for sure this is how the line of Jesus came about. But since we're going to be going back and forth just a little bit between the two, you're going to start noticing some of those names are different. And why is that? And so I was trying to explain what's going on with two different genealogies of the same person. And that's, that's the case. And if, it, if you have any questions afterwards, I'd really be, try to be glad to confuse you some more and explain it better if I could. Okay, so there are a list of a lot of names in Luke chapter 3, verses 23 to 38. Now, if I was to go through name by name, how many people would be excited about that? I mean, my eyes would glaze over. I mean, like, really? You're telling me each name? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of lump names together. I'm going to read through here. I'm really, I'm not going to apologize because it's God's word. And if you... If you read in second, like your bulletin here, it says in Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen, it says all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. This genealogy may not mean much to us when we see these names, but for the Jewish people, it proved something very important, and the Jewish people accepted that this was the truth. And so we have to find value even in these names, and so that's what we're going to look at today. So this first group of people, we find that God can use natural life to accomplish his will. God's, God's not limited by anything that happens. He can use everyday life, the norm. Every single day you woke up, you came to church today, you're going home. God can use just those normal events of everyday life that's not exciting to anybody. God can use those to accomplish his will. So, so I'll read these names, uh, verses 23 to 31a. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Jenani, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, Nahum, Elsie, Nagai, Math, Mathathias, Simon, Josek, Jodah, Risha, Zerubbabel, Shealtiel, Neri, Adi, Melki, Kosom, Elmadan, Joshua, Eliezer, Joram, Matahat, again, Levi, Simeon, uh, Judah, Joseph, Jonan, Elkanim, Malia, Meneh, and Matha, the son of Nathan, the son of David. Okay, I know, everybody's zoned back out. What are you doing here, this for? This is re- ridiculous. But... Uh, we don't find, I did my homework. I looked up every single one of those names, and there's a great big chunk 
of Jesus' genealogy that you, don't, you see absolutely nothing. Did, they, did these guys all follow God's word? Was, his, was God's word passed down from generation to generation, and they believed it, and they passed it on to the next person? Did these people say, hey, you know what? I don't believe in God. I'm going to worship other gods. I don't know. I hope they didn't do that. I hope that they passed it on, but we don't know. There, there's only a few exceptions. There's a few names you might have recognized, Shealtiel and Zerubbabel. If those, if those two guys were the guys that they're in the other genealogy, they would have been the people who were brought back because Judah got taken as captives to Babylon. But then some of them were allowed to come back, and uh, I think it was Zerubbabel was allowed to rule in Judah. And if, if, if that really did happen, uh, you have God who started everything like this, and you have tribes getting taken off to slavery, and God says, you know what, I'm going to work in that. I'm not limited by what man does. I'm not limited by slavery and where they get hauled off to a different country. I'm going to break, bring these people back to be in the line of David from the tribe of Judah, which was where Jesus was supposed to be from. So if, that's, if it's, in fact, the same people, it's amazing that God's like, you know what, life is chaotic. Everything's going nuts all around. People are not happy, but I'm going to work through all that. These people are sitting there making bad choices, but I can work in that. I'm not limited by the choices that man makes. Now, God has a plan in creation being carried on right now. Now, I know, uh, you know, God might be using your family line to accomplish something for his good in the future. You know, I got to thinking, you know, that's probably the most common way that we see God working. It's just through the everyday, ordinary events. And I know that's not very exciting to think because that's normal. That's what everybody wants, the, the God experience. Everybody wants to want to be like uh, to be the king of Israel or to be given uh, a message from an angel to do something great. But the majority of what happens in life is God just works in everyday life to accomplish his will. But you don't know. You don't know that in 20 years, you know, Tristan, where's Tristan? He could be the preacher of this church. It could happen. We don't know what's coming down the line. We don't know if, if down the road, little Sarah could be a preacher's wife, not Tristan's husband, a, a preacher's wife at this church. You guys are just faithful parents doing faithful things, going through everyday routine of life, and God can work through that, and you don't know what that's going to accomplish down the road. And like I said, I know that's not exciting because we don't know what the future holds. Maybe those things will happen, maybe they won't. But just like the genealogy you have all these people who were living life and they were passing on the tradition of Jesus and people who weren't. God, this whole life isn't about me. I mean, I want to be, like I said, I want to be the guy who does something amazing that all, all this stuff was built up so I could be the next Billy Graham or the next somebody famous. But mostly, I'm just, we're just normal people accomplishing. But God's got something bigger that involves everybody and not just one person, not just Billy Graham, not just Franklin, not just the people who led him to the Lord. It's everybody who's working together and God's working in everybody's lives, intertwining to accomplish something much bigger. Just like all those people, they just did the natural thing in life. They had a son and daughter and that got passed on. Some parts are bigger than others. You might just be the uncle or the aunt that's helped training up a kid, that's, teach, that's working with them to learn their Awana verses. You might be the one that's uh, teaching them in a Sunday school class. 
That might be the only part you get to play, and it feels like this big. But it doesn't matter if it only feels like this big. God's got a part this big that he wants you to play. And you, you don't see it as this big, but God has you here for a purpose, and there's a reason. Now, looking through this family line, I saw there was a lot of questionable people. People that I, you would say, boy, I really don't want... I, if I have that kind of ancestry, I, don't, I really don't want that getting out because of what these people did. But God's not limited by my past because God knows everything good, bad, and ugly I've ever done in my life. And he's not limited by your past, and he's not limited by the past of others who have gone before us. I told you about my, my great-great-grandpa who finished off life in our house with a shotgun who was a drunk. He beat his wife, but God didn't say, boy, you came from that. I'm not using you. He says, Josh, you're your own person, and i got a purpose for you that I want you to fulfill. So he's not limited by uh, my past or the past of other people. So we, we go down through this list, and we come across a guy named David. Everybody's probably familiar with David. You know, he started out as a shepherd boy watching his father's sheep. He, became, he fought that big guy named Goliath with his little slingshot. He, he eventually became king of Israel. And then you find that, boy, David, as, as life is going on, he's, he's called man after God's own heart. But he wasn't perfect either because he had an affair. And he uh, had her husband murdered. And we were finding out in our men's Bible study during our deacon meeting, the author pointed out that he broke all ten commandments during that time. He was coveting. He was stealing. He was, I mean, he was doing everything possible, and he went wrong. But God says, I'm, going to, I'm not going to say, okay, I'm done using you. I'm going to use David because I want to use David. Okay, so we, we continue and we look at, you know, as long as we're talking about murders, because David was guilty of murder. There's another guy that's found in uh, Matthew. His name is Jehoram. He became king of Judah. That's great. Yeah, pretty awesome. He's pretty, he was a king. But once he became king, he killed off all his brothers. He even killed off some of the princes of Israel because there's two different. There was the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. He wiped out all his brothers, and he also killed some of the princes of, or his brother Judah. I'm sorry. He killed off all his brothers in Judah, and then he killed off some of the princes of Israel. This guy never walked with God. He never came back to the Lord. He's a guy in Second Chronicles. You find out he died to no one's regret. He's that kind of guy that you're just. Oh, well, he died. Let's, let's move on, and life is good. Finally, we got rid of this tyrant. But God says, you know what? I'm going to run my family line through this guy. Now, he had all sorts of brothers. God could have said, that guy is too bad. I'm not using this guy, and I'm going to use one of these nicer little brothers. Even if he dies, he's going to use his son to be part of the line of Jesus. But God says, no, I'm going to use this guy. Why would God do that? Why would he, he take a guy who was pretty much the first guy to do this to wipe out all his brothers and say, I'm going to run my family line through him? That doesn't make any sense. But what is that? That tells you something about God, that God doesn't care about our past. He doesn't care about the, the past of the people before you. He, he doesn't, he's not limited by time. He's not limited by our actions. He's not limited by anything. He can work through every situation to accomplish his will. So now we're going to pick on a few women, and I, I feel bad because I feel like with all of this, all I'm going to do is dig up the dirt on these people. Uh, but it, but the, the point is to prove that God, he's not worried about all that. He doesn't say you've screwed up too much, you're done. 
He says, I love you and I want to use you. And he's willing to accept anybody, even into his family, in spite of what their past is like. You find out, uh, going through this list too, next you see uh, uh, the next name that we're familiar with is a guy by the name of Boaz. Now, Boaz was a good guy in the book of Ruth. Uh, you, you just find he's an upstanding guy. He, he married this, this gal, and uh, you only hear positive things about him. You go to Matthew, and you find out that guess whose mother was his mother? Her name was Rahab, and she's Rahab the prostitute. Wait a second. You're telling me that through the line of Jesus there's a prostitute? And she was the one who, when uh, Joshua sent spies in to invade Jericho, to, to kind of spy it out, they said they hid with her. And she, when they all, the whole people of the town came to say, where's those spies? She said, I don't, they're gone. They've already left. She lied to her own people to protect God's people. And once those people left, she let them out into the desert so they could return home. Well, after Jericho collapsed, Rahab and her family survived. And a guy by the name of Selma said, hey, I'm going to marry Rahab. And imagine what everybody else in Israel thought. How dare you? How could you marry somebody with that kind of past, with that kind of history? I mean, you can imagine the fear that, well, she, was, she had this lifestyle. How's that going to impact the lifestyle of everybody else in Israel? And so you find out that Boaz, a good guy in God's family line, his mother was a prostitute. She wasn't even an Israelite. She's brought in, and that just shows that God doesn't care about what we've done. God will save anybody and God will use anybody to accomplish his will. The next guy you come across, his name is Perez. Okay, well, that's a name that I I could go home happy that I didn't hear today. You know, I don't, I have no idea what the history is about this guy named Perez. Uh, His, he's, uh, his father was Judah. When Jacob had 12 sons, one of those sons' name was Judah. And, uh, it gets kind of interesting because Tamar was a gal who had been married to one of Judah's sons. He died, and he was supposed to get another, or she was supposed to get another brother as a husband to kind of carry on the line. Well, she this wasn't happening, so she went to this nearby town, and she was all dressed up, and you know her face was kind of hidden. And Judah stopped by and said, "Hey, you look like a shrine prostitute, and let's go." Uh, spend the night together. And so from that time together, Perez was born. So you have really bad stuff happening inside that family. And God says, I'm going to, there's going to be a son born and I'm going to include him in the family line. It's just, it's, there's just example of example of God does not care. And he's willing to work in any avenue he wants to in order to reach people. Jacob, the next guy, he was, he was a twin. I'm a twin. I have a younger brother. And I, Jacob and Esau, I guess it's really Esau and Jacob. Jacob is the one who always gets the credit as the firstborn. But he's, Jacob is the secondborn. And God says, I'm going to use Jacob to carry on this promise that I made to Abraham. He's going to have, I'm going to kind of pretty much start with him to have all the 12 tribes of Israel. And we're going to, we're going to start growing the nation of Israel with these people. Well, he was a scoundrel. As a kid, he, uh, he had his brother uh, Esau came in from the field famished. And he's like, Jacob, give me some food. And Jacob, he says, I'm going to take advantage of this. You give me your birthright, and I will give you this food. He could have just said, hey, I'm a nice guy. Okay, big brother, you're hungry. Here you go. 
But he's like, I want something out of this. And so Jacob is, in a way, stealing from his brother. And the next thing you find that he's, he's lying to his dad, Isaac, who's old, who can't really see. And he, he puts on his, his brother's best clothes, and he puts on sheepskin on his arms. He, and he goes to his dad and says, hey, I'm Esau. Can I have my blessing? And he, so he lies to his dad, who cannot tell enough by the voice, by, by feel, by ears, that this is the wrong kid. But God says, I'm going to use this guy. God gets a hold of his life and says, through this guy, I'm going to have the nation of Israel. And I'm going to have all these 12 tribes. Well, Jacob marries two different women. He, he's after one. He loves Rachel. Rachel's younger. She's beautiful. He works seven years for her. And then on the, the wedding night, it wasn't custom to give the younger daughter first over the, the older born. So he said, I'm just going to give her Leah, and she must be all, it's dark, or she's all, there's something about her that Jacob doesn't realize this is the older sister. And uh, through her, the girl that he didn't even want to marry, we find Judah, and he's the fourth son. And that's through the line that Jesus uses to get Jesus, or that God uses to get Jesus. And there's over and over where it's not the firstborn son, it's the secondborn, it's the fourthborn. Even with Solomon, from the other line was David's fourth wife, and it was his second son. God's, God's like breaking every tradition. God's breaking every norm. He's saying um, any kind of sin that's been committed, any kind of tradition, any kind of time frame or whatever mankind thinks of how this could possibly work, God's like, he's breaking all of them. He says, I'm going to use anybody to accomplish what I want. It does not matter. It doesn't matter our history. It doesn't matter our past. And we can go on and on about these people. You find that Abraham and Isaac, one's the dad, one's a son, and you find out that they were both liars. Abraham did this twice. They went to a different city and man, my wife Sarah is beautiful. I'm going to say she's my sister so that I don't die and they take her as their wife. Isaac said, I'm not learning from my dad's mistakes. I'm going to do it myself. And so the, God's used liars in his family line. Now, I don't know, I don't know uh, what your past is like, but I know what it's like to have my past. And, and even if you guys were to hear it and say, well, that's not really that bad, I'm very ashamed of my past, of, sin, of things I've done wrong in my past. And I imagine out here people feel I'm really ashamed of what I've done. And I don't want anybody else to know what I've done. God doesn't care. God, God can work through that. I know what it's like to, to have a reputation, even if it's not my own, that people look back and say, boy, that and they just won't let it go. When I was a kid or when that person was a kid, they were like this. They're always going to be like this. I know what it's like to, I've seen people get labeled a bad egg. You know, that person, this kid at school was like this when he first got here. And as they go through high school, they've been like this. They're always going to be like that. Or it's easy to look and say, you know, I look at Noah's dad and I know what he's like. And so Noah's got to be a bad egg because he's a lot like him. And if you don't know, Noah's my son. So just so you know. <laughs> but the thing is, it's easy to do that. But God, he doesn't worry about that. I mean, our, what we've done in our past, the things we don't want people to know, God can work through that. If my dirty laundry is aired everywhere, God can work through that. He can work through every situation 
in order to accomplish what he wants. In this list, you find people who, who went from bad to good. There's this guy named Manasseh. He reigned for 55 years, and he was a terrible guy. I mean, he was, he was shutting the temple doors, and he was worshiping and all these false idols and setting up all these gods all these places. He got taken to cap, into captivity, and God brought him back. I mean, he, during that time, he, he repented, and he turned to God. God brought him back, and he spent most of his life trying to fix what he got done, what he had done wrong. There's other guys, King Asa and King Jehoshaphat, who started out like their whole life, everything was great. And then near the end of their life, they started making an alliance with other people. God had proved he's going to take care of them. But they started making an alliance with man in order to help protect them in battle. God didn't appreciate that. And there was, there was, there was consequences for that. You find that uh, there was other people, though. I mean, I keep pointing out all the bad stuff. You find that there was this guy named Enoch. He walked with God, and he was no more. You, you find nothing even remotely bad about him. He walked with God so close. God says, why don't we just keep walking on together? And oh, by the way, this is the door to heaven. And let's go in. He didn't. He just said, hey, this, I like this guy. We have this relationship. So you have people who are super positive. You have Noah, who is walking on the land with thousands and thousands of other people. And only Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You find, you find the whole gamut. You find people who've, who've committed every possible sin. I mean, if you could, anything you can think of, you probably are going to find it in the line of Jesus, of murder, of, of death, or, um, of theft, of, of adultery, of any possible thing. And I, you know, I, I wonder sometimes, well, why would God do that? I mean, because you would think, I mean, like my, my family heritage, I, I'm really hoping you know, from what I know about my dad, because that's kind of where I'm starting from and going down farther. I don't want to have a, a family line of, boy, Noah became the next most wanted and, and Caleb became this and their kids. Be- we, we want a nice, clean family line because that all reflects back to us. But God says, I don't care about that. But it, and it makes me wonder, you know, why would he use such, such bad people at certain times? But, uh, you know, as more as you think about it, as you see that, God loves everybody. It doesn't matter. I mean, if, if he only used perfect people or people that would just walk that straight and narrow, there would, that would say a lot that God really only wants those kinds of people in his family line. But when you start thinking about heaven, and you're thinking about the kind of people who are going to get there, there's going to be people from every walk of life. There's going to be people who have murdered there's going to be people who have committed adultery, people who have robbed banks, and they've, and they've uh, kidnapped kids, and they've uh, told lies to the judge. I mean, everything you can possibly think of, God loves those people, and he wants those kinds of people in his kingdom. That's why God came to this earth. He didn't say, well, I'm just done with you because you guys are, are rotten. He says, I'm going to make a way so that no matter what you've done, you can be part of my family. You can be part of my uh, home in heaven. So whatever, whatever you've possibly done in your life, murdered, probably not, but God says if you hate someone in your heart, you've committed murder. If you've committed adultery, if you have lied, if you have stolen, if you got the reputation, you think, man, I, I can't get rid of this because man won't let me. God says, I love you. I will forgive you. You trust Jesus Christ as your Savior to save you from the punishment of your sins. You can have eternal life. All that in the past is in the past. We have a fresh start. 
Now you can say, hey, I know that. I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I got that. I got that hope that Fred had. He's up there in heaven, and, and he's, he's all done with this wicked world and all this sin. But I'm still here, and I got, I got that to look forward to. But let me challenge you. There's a lot of people in this world who feel like I'm not worthy of God. You don't know what I've done, Josh. These people don't know what I've done. And you're right, I don't know, but God does. And he didn't say, that's too bad. That was the worst thing possible. There's a, lot, a whole world out there that needs to know that no matter what they've done, Jesus loves them. He loved people enough to include them in his family line. And he died on the cross so that they could have the opportunity to share eternity in heaven with them. So let me challenge you. If you feel like, hey, I've screwed up, ask God to forgive you and move on. If there's people you know who need to hear that, share the gospel with them because God loves them just as much as you are. We sang this song, Just As I Am. And that's what God wants you to come to him like, just as you are. You, you can't make yourself any better. You can't make yourself better in God's sight before you come to him. You come to him just as you are, and he'll give you that eternal life. And if you don't know Jesus, I'm challenging you to ask him to be your savior. And if you do know Jesus, I'm challenging you to share him with other people. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, for your salvation that you have given me a long time ago. And I know that I haven't always lived my life to honor you, God. But I know that you're a forgiving God and you're a faithful God. And I know, God, that people in here have a past that they, just like me, we wouldn't want anybody to know. And maybe they feel ashamed like I would to come to you and say, hey, God, I've... I've screwed up, but I pray that they would recognize, God, that they can be part of your family, just like these people uh, who knew you and who didn't know you were part of your family line to give uh, us our son, Jesus. God, I pray for the boldness to share with people around our neighborhoods, across our street, people at work, God, who the people who we think would be the least likely to, to accept you as their Savior, God, they need you just as much as we do, so please uh, help us to have the courage and the boldness to share with them. Maybe they just feel that same guilt that we felt. God, you're a good God and a forgiving God, and we just praise you for that. We want to come to you just as we are. In Jesus' name, amen.